Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Rodcast. Today, we're talking about communion. Who can take communion? This is a big question. So, Pastor Rod, I want to kind of get a bit of an intro into what communion is. Communion is a celebration of Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, the, the Last Supper, uh, gave instructions, take this, it's my body, the, the bread and the wine is the blood, and do this in remembrance of me. And, and Paul is taking that teaching in 1 Corinthians 11, remembers and says, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Communion is about remembering Jesus. Now, in that, there is huge power available, which we'll talk about later, but I believe there's huge, huge power available from the Holy Spirit in taking communion. And um, communion has been taken by Christians in every, in, in every country, in every generation since the beginning of the church. And so, therefore, it's something that we are told to do, to remember. I believe it's really for anyone who loves the Lord, remembers Jesus, or has a heart seeking God, which we'll, we'll talk about a bit later. But it's very important to understand how culturally it's, it's impacting people around the world. And we live in Japan. I'm currently in Indonesia at the moment with our church in Bali. You're in Hong Kong. There are some cultural things that, that really we need to talk about because um, a lot of what we have done is learnt and none of, none of it's bad. There's no criticism on how, how people take communion. That's not the point. But it does look different in different mm-hmm. cultures, which I think is pretty exciting. You know, Jesus is up in heaven looking at all the communions around the world and the, the colors and the, the, the foods used and the, the drink used and the, the way and the children and the, and the adults and the old people all together taking communion, remembering Jesus. I'm, I'm sure it's a, it's a joyful thing to Jesus to, to know that. People, God's people do this all the time. In -hmm. fact, there's only two things Jesus instituted as ceremonies. One was baptism and one was communion. Only two. Baptism is usually a once-only event. I I know there's, we could talk about that some other time. But communion Mm -hmm. is a constant event. It's actually a very, very powerful part of the Christian life. And um, so I I think communion could be taken anywhere, anyhow with a lot of people, or you could take it by yourself, as long as it's remembering Jesus. Uh, So it's universal, it's general, Mm -hmm. but it's also very specific to cultures, how it's done. I think that's exciting, don't you? Yeah, well, food is very cultural, isn't it? Yeah. Huge part of every culture. Every culture is kind of proud of their food. And uh, obviously that comes into, like that's the kind of physical part of this communion is like there's actually something we eat and we drink yeah would you speak to that just a little bit yeah yeah so obviously jesus jesus day it does say it was wine now some people say that was um, non-alcoholic wine there was no such thing until maybe 50 years ago like that doesn't happen really um yeah there's no such thing as there's grape juice in history but if you mm-hmm. talk about the word wine there's no such thing especially in the Middle East, which is such a hot country and things ferment so fast. So um, the concept of the bread, which is probably flat bread uh, back then in, in Jesus' day was probably the no yeast bread, which I love it. I just love that Middle Eastern flat bread, don't you? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, and then it was wine. 
And I think it was probably red wine because blood and but who, right. who knows, who, who cares sure. really in a way. But um, I, I think that uh, when Jesus did it, it was very cultural and it was very acceptable for children to take wine as well. Now, my wife grew up in Argentina and um, she, she grew up in the vineyards in a place called Mendoza and the children were given wine mixed with water um, at mealtimes. And she didn't see her family get drunk and she never got drunk. And that mm. Italy and other countries are like that. So um, in Jesus' day, maybe it was very attenuated. And I'm not, I'm not advocating people under the age drinking. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying in their sure. culture, in their culture, it probably looked different. The food looked different than it does today. And you know what? I became a believer 43 years ago. I went to a church and was given a little bit of bread and a, in a little plastic cup, a bit of um, grape juice. And, and so that was the form that I took. And I, I know many churches, probably majority of churches still use the, that form. And I, I have no problem with that or anything because mm. the key thing is not the form, but it's the meaning. And as a missiologist mm -hmm. or living in Asia, and there are many things with contextualization, we look at form and meaning. These two words are very important. So that the form of something People can do it and have no meaning. Uh, people can do it a different way and have meaning. So when we went to Japan, uh, sorry, let me, let me backtrack. We were in Thailand for four years and up in the country area, a poor area. We loved it. But uh, amongst the new believers, there was no bread and there was no grape juice. Um, so we had to improvise because of need. And we worked out the most common thing was sticky rice, which is cooked rice in a ball, which is yummy, and um, Coca-Cola. <laughs> so this was universal. In any village, you could get those two things. So we used that as our model. And again, not because it's the only way, but that's what we could do. Mm -hmm. And we taught people how to take communion with sticky rice and Coca-Cola, which they liked. They liked those two things. They liked the taste. It was available. It was cheap. Anybody could do this. When we moved to Japan 20 years ago, we realized that the Japanese did not like the flavor of the grape juice, the red Ribena or whatever it is. And so we thought, well, you know, when Jesus did it, when Jesus implemented um, communion, it was obviously flatbread and wine. It was very acceptable in their society as, mm -hmm. as, as good food and good tasting. Like, no one's going to reject that food. No. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like yummy. And um, right. the kids, again, let me say, I'm not saying kids should take alcohol, but in their context, it was, mm -hmm. it was, it was okay. It was supervision. And it was, it was mm -hmm. their culture, but it was, it was a good experience. It was a good experience. And this is the point when we came to Japan that they didn't like the little. So we said, well, why don't we use something universal, cheap, available? They can do it at home. And the answer was Japanese tea. We use Japanese tea, which is, um, you know, light colored, you know, light yellow, sort of like, um, uh, I know, tea, just tea. And it's and just everywhere in Japan. Like <laughs> everyone drinks it all the time. Yeah. And it's yummy. It's yummy. Yeah. It's delicious. And so. It's healthy too. It's healthy. Yeah. And then we used um, rice crackers, which again, cheap, available, yummy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The funny thing is that when everyone takes together, it is 
I, I call it the crunchiest communion in the world. Everyone goes crunch. The whole yeah. church goes crunch. And we laugh about it like you're not going to forget that sound. That's uh, the form. The meaning is remembering Jesus. So whether we use wine, Coca-Cola, Japanese tea, it doesn't matter the form. It matters, did I remember Jesus? And the mm -hmm. same with the drink. So in Thailand with the villages and we're taking this and we're saying, you know, you can do this anytime and um, with your family and the village and the, it, it became a universal thing rather than a Sunday thing or a church thing where we provided the stuff. And um, same in Japan, people could take Japanese tea. So that means around the dinner table, people could just have communion in both the right. Thai example and the Japan example. Now, I don't care what people use on Sunday, but I think we must have a, fo a form that is that the message is you can do this anywhere. I really think that's important. You know, someone's having a hard time. You could take communion. Someone's feeling sick and needs to seek the Lord. You could take communion. You could take communion in a hospital, in your bed, at home, on the bus. You, it's supposed to be a remembrance of Jesus. So the, the meaning part is everything. The form part fades into history because there's probably going to be a time in the future where it's a different form. Um, if you went to China right. today, I'm sure it would be different. And in Hong Kong, it might be different. I don't know. They might like the Ribena taste. But, the and again, no problem. But it has mm -hmm. to have these things that it's available, it's inexpensive for the poor, um, and it it's can be modeled to your family. It can be done at home. I think this is really important for the for the universal nature of communion. So if you went to our church in Japan, you would be handed a little bottle of Japanese tea and a little rice cracker in plastic. So especially after COVID, we've had to be very, very careful about hands touching food, right? Right. Yeah. So we did that. And so they walk in and there's a little bottle of of tea on under their seat and a little rice cracker on their seat. And we say, Hey everyone, don't eat them right now. We're going to have it later. And I like, <laughs> cause you can imagine little kids. Yay. And, sure. and, and that's going to happen. And that's not a problem at all. So yeah. I just think this universal nature of communion. And so we can use it in times of trouble, need, anxiety, sickness. I need to have communion. I just need to get with Jesus. I need my family to give thanks. I think that's the universalness about the meaning. It doesn't matter what we use. In fact, I'm sure if you, Richard, just felt to use something, you and Janice, let's take communion and there was a chocolate there and some water, mm -hmm. you just say, let's, let's remember Jesus. And mm -hmm. that becomes communion. Mm -hmm. um, this might surprise people, but around the world, I think it's going to look very different than in your country. And in the majority world uh, here in Asia and probably Africa, uh, it's going to look it's going to look different. And it's all about the heart remembering Jesus. Yeah. So I don't know if I got off the point that you were asking, but that's our journey. And by the way, with Japan, with the Japanese tea and the rice cracker, we didn't know this when we started 20 years ago. But in history, 500 years ago in Japan, there was a move of God. It was um, the, the Portuguese priests came in and there was a, a tremendous move of God. It was 
something like um, one fifth of the nation came to Christ within 50 years. That was 3 million out of 15 million in Japan in the year, say, 1590. Now, there's a terrible movie called Silence, which shows what happened after that, the destruction of all the Christians. Terrible, terrible decimation of the Mm. church. But in that 50 years of absolute growth, we read that they used Japanese tea and rice crackers for their communion. We didn't know that for years. And when we found out, it was like everyone was going, yay, <laughs> same heart, you know, the, the, the heart to bring communion to Japan. Um, so that's a sort of a by the, by the way story, but I think it's pretty interesting, don't you? Yeah, and you even think like would some countries even have like grow grapes like right. to be able to make yeah. wine or something like that. So Sure. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm sure in Greenland – or those countries, they wouldn't have any grapes. Yeah. <laughs> if they yeah, did, they would be imported and very expensive. Mm. Yeah, and and just may not, people might not like it. So sure, it's so foreign. Yeah. So you're you're saying that it's it's not about the food; it's about the significance that we you know ascribe to that to that food. And Jesus was just using what was available and common in his culture. Yeah. Is that a fair summary? It's a fair summary. Now, there is some more cultural stuff with the Last Supper. And and the Last Supper was a whole meal. And in the meal, they did the cup and the bread. So it was part of a larger meal. But the flatbread did have significance for the Jews. And the significance was it had no yeast because yeast was a sign of sin in the Old Testament. So the flatbread Mm. was very important. Most cultures don't know anything about that. you know, that, you, right. you can actually bring in a, a Jewish food custom into Thailand. Like, just, yeah. you're just adding layers of misunderstanding. Or mm-hmm. So, um, it, there was significance in what Jesus used, but I think that significance needs to be put into the message of thankfulness and remembering Jesus no matter what we take today. Mm. So... Who 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 can take communion? Uh, can we talk about that? The big question that a lot of people ask. Yeah. Well, I'd like to just give the, the answer straight up, but I'm not going to because I, I need to explain a few things. You know, the 40, 42% of the world have never heard the name Jesus Christ. 42%. That's 3.5 billion people in the world, according mm-hmm. to the Joshua Project and a number of other mm-hmm. database Christian groups. That's a lot of people to share what we do, what we do as Christians and church and prayer and Bible reading. And then we have communion. And in a lot of cultures around the world, if you're invited to their ceremonies or to their, to their thing, like, like let's say you're to Israel and you're being invited to a Friday night um, Sabbath and it's, it's going to be great food and you're going to love it. It's going to be, it, it will be amazing. Um, you know, it's, it's just, if, if you went in there and they said, oh, you're not a Christian, you can't take it, there would be a fence for many Middle Eastern people because the concept of hospitality in the Bible mm-hmm. and the ancient culture of the Middle East and the modern culture of the Middle East is that hospitality is almost at the top of things that are important and hospi- the lack of hospitality is at the head of things that is seen as sin is seen as sin, to exclude people from hospitality. So we're working with cultures 
that when we're invited to their things, now whether you take it or not is up to you, but we are invited to, to, to be part of their ceremonies and their eating. And even Paul said this in, in, in Corinthians where he said, you know, for me to, to eat food sacrificed to idols, not a problem. I've sorted it. It's not an issue. Just eat with thankfulness and it's all okay. That's Paul, the Apostle Paul. Mm. There was an exception and he said, if I'm going to stumble someone, maybe I won't take it. But for me and my heart, not a problem. So even the Bible does talk about this issue of being invited to something. Mm. And um, basically he's saying, you know, something's been sacrificed to a God or an idol and I eat it, not going to touch me because I've got Jesus in my heart. I've got the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm getting off the subject, but getting back to the main point of hospitality, anywhere in the world we would be invited into anyone's ceremony, family. If we're invited to Japan to a family um, thing where they're going to do something with their ancient religion, we would be invited. No question. I've had the experience in every country. Um, and, of course, I take that opportunity to eat with them and then share, if I can, something about the goodness of God. Um if it's inappropriate, I won't. But often, right. yeah, we have a chance to talk about what we do. And so the concept of communion, it, it was part of a meal and it was supposed to be for everybody, just like the, 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 the Passover meal was for everybody and all the children. And um, so the first thing I'll say is we should not exclude children. I, 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 I know that there are some cultures that say to children, you you have to be a certain age or baptized or whatever. Well, that's that's not uh, what I read. I read that the um, the not not in the Bible, but but in well, actually in the Bible, the the Old Testament talks about you know the the Passover night and and everyone ate together, um, and the angel of death passed over, and there was no destruction for the whole house. So the concept of Passover is the whole family. It's inclusion. Right. And yeah, so, what's that event like, the Passover? What what was that kind of like? What did they do? Um, well, it's probably a bit different in modern Israel and modern Judaism. But the thing that, that was really important was the lamb. Um, they had to have lamb. They had to um, eat the lamb of God. And, and so that lamb in the Old Testament was to not take away sins, but to cover sins until Messiah came. And that's why Jesus came, John the Baptist said, that's the lamb. He's the one that's mm. going to be the, the lamb. No, no more need for the lamb to cover sins because this lamb is going to remove your sins. So lamb, and then there was all sorts of herbs and spices and flatbread. And um, there's, there's just this great feast. The whole family <laughs> kind of like get yeah. your neighbors in there. Like, is yeah. it like that? Yeah, it was. In fact, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, um, well, look, with the putting the blood on the doorpost so that of the Passover so that the destroyer would not come to that house, it actually says there was some outsiders invited. And it actually says when they left Egypt, there was outsiders went with the Israelites. So there were there was inclusion of the Egyptians in the Israelite Passover. Now I'm, I don't know how many, but the mm. concept was whoever's in that house is safe and whoever's in that house can eat. Together, so again, the Jewish people were not going to push people out. That they would say, "Can we? Can we eat? Can we be part?" So, as a believer or a, a Christian in Israel, going to a, 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 a Jewish Friday night Sabbath meal, we're invited. 
we're invited as long as we're honoring them we're right. invited and there'll be prayers they'll be reading from the psalms in in hebrew which we may not understand but they can say it's you know it's psalm 23 and we can we can know what that is in english and and there's prayers and it's all around all the children are there and there might be a reading of a passage and then there's food there's food and food and food and um it, it, it's an event and you can see why the family is so united because they do this most Friday nights. And then the once a year Passover meal, which is on the, the, the full moon of, you know, around March, April, um, where we get Easter, it's the, the same, it's the same dating, the same month between Jews and Christians for Easter and Passover. Um, then, you know, all around the world, people are, are celebrating the Passover meal. Getting back to um, our, our story, children were always mm. part of it. Were, were never, never omitted because they don't, didn't understand. Or, and, and any foreigner who chose to come and bring some honor to God were included because hospitality is such a huge part of Middle Eastern culture. And I love that. I just love the fact that, you know, I've been to ceremonies in many countries um, from different religions and I've sat there and I've ate the food and because I ate their food with them, they then said to me, you can share your faith with us. Um, it's, it's actually quite an incredible concept. Um, the, you, you said early on about the power of eating together in, in Hong Kong or Japan, this power, eating together mm -hmm. for Christians and talking about Jesus or praying to Jesus, and we can invite people in to, as long as they're honoring as long mm -hmm. as their their hearts are nice, um, it's very hard to exclude people. In fact, in Japan, if you were to have a meal and take communion and say to the Japanese, you can't take this, it would be seen as a sin, an actual you've mm -hmm. sinned against them and their family. You have you have yeah. actually done something very wrong. So really, this is a big issue in many cultures of the world, the concept of exclusion from our stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, if you did a, another ceremony and said, you can't come, a, a wedding, you can't come, or um, uh, an anniversary, you can't come. That, 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 that's so rude. It's so, it's so unacceptable. I'm, think, I'm thinking of our context here, like I'm just thinking our, our biggest kind of time of the year is Chinese New Year, famous around the world. And everyone goes over to people's houses. And it's like for three days, you go to people's houses and eat with them. And I'm uh, just imagining like it would just be ad culturally <laughs> just unacceptable to come over and then say that they couldn't eat with you. <laughs> like the relationship would be over. Yeah. Uh, no one would do it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just an absurd thought. So, yeah, I think, I think it makes a lot of sense. So let's come to the, the, the trouble scripture because there is a, a scripture that's quoted yeah. why we don't yeah. offer it to others. Let's come to that scripture. Yeah. It's in 1 Corinthians 11. Mm -hmm. And when people bring this up to me, I usually say, where in the Bible is that? And they say, I don't know. And I say, what does it say? And they say, uh, something about judgment. I say, have you read it? They say, I don't know. So I think we have to go back to 1 Corinthians 11 and read the whole chapter that's good hermeneutics mm -hmm. hermeneutics is not about a guy called herman 
sorry, hermeneutics is how we interpret scripture. And the larger the passage, the more context we get. So 1 Corinthians 11 is all about Paul writing to the Corinthian church, correcting some wrong things um, about communion. Now, what he, what he really addresses is the concept that some people get there early and eat everything. That's the context. So I'm going to read the very last couple of chapters, ver- last couple of verses first. Are you mm-hmm. right? Here we go. 1 yep. Corinthians 11, verse 33. Conclusion for the whole chapter. So then, my brothers, brothers means brothers and sisters in the Hebrew and Greek. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further instructions. This is the conclusion to 1 Corinthians 11. What is it about? It's about some people eating all the food and all the drink. It's about some people being greedy. And it says specifically, this is what causes judgment. So the whole context of 1 Corinthians 11 and Paul writing to the whole church is not about outsiders. It's about the insiders. It's about the Mm -hmm. believers. It's about something that is so bad that Paul is saying, this is so bad that there's actually going to be judgment on this. God is so unhappy. that. Mm. So the troubled scripture comes back to a, a point where it says, um, verse 20, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else. Same context, right? Same greed, um, not waiting. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? So communion should not be like the, the only food there is. It, it's like part of a bigger meal. Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? So what is happening is the rich who don't have to work such long hours get there early and eat all the food. And the poor who are probably coming in from the fields and taking care of the horses and they're coming in later, they're coming in, welcome to communion, but there's no communion left. It's gone. So the poor are missing out. And that's why he's saying, don't you have homes to eat in? Like, um, don't you have mm-hmm. homes to eat and drink? Verse 22. Do, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing, the poor? What shall I say to you? Certainly I shall not praise you for this. Certainly not. And then he goes on to talk about how we do it. He, he's the key scripture. Um, for I received from the Lord what I passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed before the cross. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do it in remembrance of me. What's the point? Memory of Jesus. Remember Thanksgiving, amazing Jesus. You've done it all. A great taking communion, remembering Jesus and the resurrection. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, the the wine cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, whatever you drink it, in remembrance of me. The, the drink, remember you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for victory. Thank you for healing. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Here it is. Here's the troubled scripture. But it's not when you know the context. Because he's not talking to the outsiders who were there that night. He's yeah. there's no context for outsiders. It's the group who are meeting to give remembrance and they ate all the food. <laughs> they were greedy guts, we say in Australia. A man ought to examine himself before he eats it of the bread and drinks of the cup. For if anyone eats or drinks 
without recognizing the body. What was the body? The community. Jesus' body and the community is the body of Christ, right? They're, they're not recognizing the body, that everybody needs to be involved, everybody needs to eat, everybody needs to drink. We're recognizing the body. We're recognizing the community. And we're not leaving out the poor and those who came later. Verse 30, that's why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep, which means have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. So he's saying to the believers, take care of it. Take care of this issue. It's very easy to take care of this issue. Just don't be greedy. Just care for the outsiders. Care for the ones late. And you won't have judgment. This is not coming on you. Um, Mm. But if we had judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. So deal with your own heart. It's not about judging someone else whether they're worthy to take communion. We've missed the point. If we're taking Mm -hmm. communion judging others who should be taking it, we've missed the whole point of love. (laughs) Imagine taking communion, remembering Jesus. You shouldn't be taking it. It's sort of counterintuitive. Verse 32, but when we're judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Last scripture, so then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. The whole context is very, very clear when you read the whole chapter. Yeah. So when someone comes to me and says, isn't there a scripture about judgment? I say, yeah, have you read the whole scripture? And they say, don't even know where it is. I say, 1 Corinthians 11, go and read it. And often I'll ask them afterwards, did you read it? And they'll say, no. I think we should follow through if we've got a hunger to understand this area of communion. And I'd challenge people to study the whole chapter. Who was it written to and who was it written for? It was written to the Corinthians. It was written for us. All right. New Testament was not written to us. It was written for us. It was written to real people in real churches in real situations, but it was written for us to understand what to avoid. And what we must do is maintain joy and thankfulness and community and the body and loving everybody that's there. Now, this is um, a bit, I guess, a new thought for some people, but let me add one more thought, and that is on the actual night of the Last Supper, so night before the cross, Jesus did communion and said, do this in remembrance for me. This is the, okay. And at that table, there was 12 disciples, not 11. There was 12. There was Judas Iscariot was at the table. Now we know from other scriptures that Judas had betrayed Jesus. I think 30 pieces of silver. He had an agreed uh, moment to betray when he was going to kiss Jesus on the cheek like they do in the Middle East. This is the man had arranged a signal to betray Jesus, and it actually says Satan had entered Judas's heart before the communion event. At that communion table, Judas was so close that it says Jesus handed it to him. He was not the end of the table. He was close in to Jesus. And Jesus offered him communion. This is an incredible concept It's like to me going back to the Old Testament Passover in Egypt. And it says there was people there from Egypt in the Israel's house, Passover, that were safe. And some left with Israel into the promised land. It's really amazing scriptures. And so to me, with 
everything I've just said, I have to answer the question. Who can take communion? I think anyone who wants to remember the goodness of God or the goodness of Jesus. Does that mean children? Yeah. Does that mean backsliders? Absolutely. If they've got a warm heart. In fact, it could be their call home. I've known people that have come back during communion. Um, what about unbelievers? Well, in Japan, if they're there, we're going to say, if you honor Jesus, you're welcome to have this meal with us to remember Jesus. And I know when there's a non-Christian there in Japan taking communion, they will take it with honor. Yeah. They're not there going, oh, yeah, whatever, you know. No, no, no. They're honorable because Japanese are honorable people. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll take it and they'll look and they may not understand everything, but we've given the context. This is about our Jesus and they're taking it. And I've known people to, it was their awakening moment to, to seek Jesus, which I think it should be. I think it should be an awakening moment. So people hearing this long podcast could take a few things I've said out of context. I'm asking you not to do that. I'm saying let's read the whole chapters and stories about communion to understand what Paul was doing. He at no point addressed the outsiders, the unbelievers, at no point during 1 Corinthians 11, zero. Mm -hmm. He's talking about the the body, the community, that they have a great heart towards those coming in late. Is that okay? Yeah, I can think of a a powerful story. I, I connected with a guy uh, a non-Christian who came to church, uh, invited him to church. It's first time ever in a service with me, and uh, we were doing communion that week. And he was given communion, you know, the opp- the invitation to communion, and he took it. And after church, I asked him what he thought about church, and I thought he was going to talk about the music. I knew he was a musician or something else. And he said, he said, I really like your church because you let me take communion. And that was his comment. That was a thing that stuck out for him. And it really impacted him as an as a non-Christian. Like, and and he was like, you know, he he was exploring the Christian faith and, you know, it was still living living a life that maybe, you know, it's not quite there yet. But mm. but he was very respectful yeah. in that moment. And in my yeah. time, in my eleven years here in Hong Kong, like I can't think of one incident where there's been a disrespectful non-Christian who's who's in the service exploring, you know, who is God and, okay, I want to, I do want to know more about Jesus and I, I just haven't encountered that situation. And yeah. So even wow. very, you know, different cultures to Japan, but yeah, same thing. They're very respectful. Yeah. Coming in and yeah. they, they know the significance of that moment. In, when we were in Thailand and we were working with the very poor people and we had the communion with the, uh, remember I said sticky rice and Coca-Cola, and it, mm-hmm. it's usually in a home, um, and, the, and relatives come, which you want them to come, right? They're, and you're sharing Jesus and you take communion. They just take it like they're part of the group. For you to say at that point you can't take it is nuts. It's just, and people say, oh, they, they drink judgment on themselves. Well, I don't know what your understanding of judgment is, but that's really not not where it's at. I can't imagine God looking down at a non-Christian going, oh, my goodness, they've done a bad thing. We're going to judge them. Like, it just... Well, 
Crazy. Aren't before before we've received Jesus, aren't we already under judgment? Yeah. Like. Yeah. So. Yeah. This yeah. the whole the whole warning was for believers, and I think if people are taking communion, judging who's taking it, as I said before, well, maybe I'll just leave that hanging. Like, miss the point of why mm. you're taking communion to give thanks to Jesus right there. What about the scripture that uh, you you read it out there? It says, "Examine yourself." I've heard yeah. some people say that, like, "Oh, I'm not worthy," because it's, it uses that word "worthy" or yeah. "worthy manner." Uh, maybe I'm not worthy, so I, I I'm examining myself. I I don't think I should take communion because I don't want judgment upon myself. What would you say to that? Yeah, I, when I got when I became a believer 43 years ago, the wonderful people that led me to Jesus did did that very thing. Often they would communion oh i'm passing it by was their language i said i was a new christian what does that mean i said oh i've had a bad week i've had a bad thought and i thought me too but i'm going to take it because that's going to help me i I don't know i just (laughs) right um and 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 guilt about something i did or thought prevented them from often taking communion and i thought i don't read that in the bible so my answer to your question is Examine your heart should be a, a momentary moment to get your heart right, yeah? Like, God, I've had a bad thought. I'm sorry. This is going to help me. Or there's someone in this room I don't like, someone in the church I don't like. Lord, I'm going to forgive them, release them. I'm going to take communion. So it's a, it's a chance to get right. It's not a chance to reflect how bad I am. It's a chance to get my heart right. And so these guys here hearing this from Paul go, oh, wow, that's, that's the last time we're greedy. Right? That, that would have been the, mm-hmm. the response from reading that. Oh, we'll, we'll never do that again. So, yeah. Yeah, and it does talk about an un- unworthy manner. It's not saying an unworthy person because who's yeah. worthy? Yeah. <laughs> At what point are we worthy? Jesus yeah. makes us worthy. Sure. So. so I just say get your heart right, forgive people in the room, love your mm-hmm. wife, love your kids, <laughs> and yeah. take communion. And I think communion, we haven't talked about it, but I believe communion is deeply powerful for healing, yeah. for healing, healing relationships, healing our attitudes, and even healing our bodies. I do believe there is a power component, which maybe we could talk about that later, but sure. I'm deeply believing in the power of this, this very powerful thing that Jesus implemented. When, whenever you eat, come together, remember me, Take communion. I think it's very powerful. Awesome. Well, I think well, I think we've answered a lot of questions there. Hopefully, that people have, and um, look forward to talking about this more. Okay, let's go. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you enjoyed today's episode with Pastor Rod, why don't you subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this? And we'll see you next time.